The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. You missed us. You know it. I'm Brandon, and this is my co-captain, Jim Dietz. Olds in space. So the Old Space Show continues our episode-by-episode travelogue through the second season of Space 19. 98 plus one where the moon is knocked out of orbit wandering through outer space the population of its human built colony hoping to stumble upon a new home today we are talking about the sixth episode the Tabor. a boisterous flamboyant larger than life trader from hyperspace makes a remarkable appearance on the moon and falls in love with maya this one is directed by Bob Brooks, written by Tom Keyes, and guest star, and this is a name, Willoughby Goddard. <laughs> I know. I was uh, looking up this guy earlier, and like, he's every chubby guy in every British movie from like <laughs> 1950 to 1986. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he's got like a long, he's got that quote unquote long storied career in British television, uh, yes. including Blackadder, uh, Young Sherlock Holmes, and Two episodes of the Avengers. I I saw this guy as like of the Brian Blessed type of acting. Like that's he's the big yes. guy with the. I want you to know I'm in every scene. <laughs> I'm I'm going to project my voice from deep with my diaphragm. But in fact, you know what the funny thing is when you hear his voice at the beginning of this episode, I thought for a second I'm like another episode with Brian Blessed. No right? way. But it right. turned out to be this guy instead. But uh, he was in Young Sherlock Holmes, Jabberwocky, uh, you know, quite a few movies, as well as his long story career in uh, British uh, entertainment television. and British yeah. television. British uh, television entertainment, yes. And I'm not trying to, I don't want to like, I don't mean this in like some sort of body shaming way, but this guy's like the perfect shape of a ball. It's incredible. Yeah. Like, it's remar- it's- remarkably grimace, uh, grimace shaped. Yeah, it's weird. You know, like, from the McDonald Land uh, creatures, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a beautiful looking ball form. Um, now, did um did did Tony's character Tony uh, get a featuring credit yet? Because I think this is the first time we've seen that. Oh, it says featuring Tony oh. Anholt. Well, true. So, Looks like he's on I mean, the, the long haul. Because the credits, you know, are Martin and Barbara, and then you know Catherine Shell, of course, is Maya. But then when you go to the uh, other smaller credits, <laughs> mm-hmm. he says featuring Tony Anholt. He got the uh, build even before the guest star in this episode. Interesting. They, uh, they must have really pinned their hopes on Tony Anholt selling yeah. the show. If they went to season three, he'd be in the opening title sequence. Ooh. Ooh. So uh, this Brooks guy who directed, 
We got like it's it's interesting the writer director because they both didn't do much. Mm-hmm. He he directs another episode this season. He directs the film uh, Tattoo, starring Bruce Dern and Maude Adams. He did a TV movie, a TV documentary, and a commercial, and that's his career. <laughs> wow. Okay. And then, oh my God, I've seen the movie you directed, Tattoo. Yeah, Tattoo. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like, what is it? I'm like, oh, I know this one. I don't know if I've seen it, but I, I recognize the imagery and Bruce Stern with the tattoo on himself. Yeah. It was very much a, one of the staples of early cable TV. Mm. Gotcha. Keys, he didn't write much, but I'm going to point out he's got, a, he's, got a, he's got a big spotlight here. He wrote the Lucio Fulci adaptation of White Fang starring Franco Nero. Wow. That's awesome. Street cred right there. Get that guy at your convention. He's alive. I don't know. I was like, I was like, wait, White Fang in the 70s? I'm like, it couldn't be. I'm like, it is the Lucio Fulci one. Because he's got some weird stuff before he goes to horror. And uh, Franco Nero, yeah. World small renowned. World. It's a small world after all. It's all it connected. Is. It's all connected. It's all happening. Uh, and here's an interesting character enters the fray in this episode. Bill Fraser. He's got a couple lines. Do you I, we have Bill Fraser, Jim? No, please, Tommy, enlighten me. So our boy Nick Tate, who plays Alan Carter, mm-hmm. when he was supposed to be let go. They were trying to overhaul the cast, except for Martin Lando, Barbara Bain. Right, because um, we, we got uh, the Asian woman has been swapped out for Sandra now. Yes, so... They were trying to slowly, the people they had in contracts, but um, Fred Freiberger was told the fans love Alan Carter. You can't let him go. <laughs> and so he got kept and he wasn't he's so rugged. He, he wasn't in the plans for some of the stuff. And Nick Tate complained. He said, I better be a part of episodes and uh, I'm not going to tolerate, you know, background, all this stuff. He got the script for this one. He had two lines. So he went off with his like wife or his girlfriend on a ski trip not to return and just disappeared. They, I mean, we know now he was there, but like he just disappeared, didn't show up to production. So they replaced him with Bill Fraser. And so he, uh, Nick Tate uh, basically went on a personal strike for two productions. So the episode they shot... After this one, which is called The Brain of Something Whatever, it's not the episode that follows this in our series, um, he is absent, and Bill Fraser takes his spot. Chuck, you dropping the serious behind-the-scenes science, my friend. Yeah, like Alan That's, Carter. He that scoops that, that, the, the 19, uh, that uh, Space 1999 uh, scoop. <laughs> yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, Yasuko Nagazimi, uh plays Yasko, and uh, I don't know if I'd be con- if she could convince somebody she could walk through a door on screen. Uh, okay. I, I don't I I don't know if it's a I don't know her lines. I don't maybe it's some tough dialogue for her to get across, but it was. I don't. We won't say she was hired for her looks, but some <laughs> people are. Right. Some people are. So we have we have we have mm-hmm. a we have a couple episodes so far in our recording block with her and it just when she goes to speak the show stops dead in its tracks like, <laughs> like oh man okay it's almost like when you make a what people used to think of these shows and parody them with stuff like it's like oh man some of it was based on reality 
Um, but yeah, I hate to harp on it, but I was like, man, she, who poor girl, poor girl. Uh, but yeah, she yeah. joins the crew. Um, before bye, this event, Sandra. yeah, bye <laughs> later. Um, have fun with Bergman or Paul, Paul, because Paul's yeah. somewhere. Paul, Paul and Bergman. <laughs> Paul Bergman, all the all the gang. Um, so this one we have a the adventure we go on. Uh, there's a strange glowing metallic object that's appearing throughout Alpha. That like these little things appear. People pick them up and are like, ah. We also have like a, a it's another sauna like room and oh, wait, a, it's, no 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 a crew it's of the, supermodels the, on no, the it's the solarium area. There's a big sign that okay. says Solarium Area right on the wall. And it happens to be uh, stacked with 1970s showgirls. Yes, what is this? <laughs> very tiny bikinis just wandering around. I'm like, oh, this must be the uh, the Alpha Bikini Team or something. Yeah, like what? And, I was just like, wait, what? All of them? Like, where they hide every episode? I, c- I could just see Fred Freiberg eh, give us something for the gentlemen <laughs> and for some of the ladies, too. Yes. For the, ladies, <laughs> for the guys, but yeah, they're playing this weird, like light seventy. I wrote down light seventies porn jazz mm-hmm. <laughs> while they're like you know sunbathing and stuff. It's rather lascivious. Freiburger's like that's for the kid who catches this on late night reruns. There you go. Get him in the mood. Um, but yeah, so they pick up these things. They get burned, blinded, and uh, Killer Ko- knickknacks. Yeah, Koenig's <laughs> like, stop picking shit up on the sh- on the Alpha. Oh wait, wait, wait! No, no, no! I gotta write this. Down. I wrote this down. Okay, objects found have been small and multicolored <laughs> and maybe glowing. <laughs> <laughs> do not touch. Repeat. <laughs> do not touch. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, Helena. Helena down. was like. Ooh, Commander Koenig. So just <clears throat> just after he does that, uh, Alpha gets con- contacted by you know those mysterious voices that always contact Moonbase Alpha. They uh, always know their name and they always speak English. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they ask permission to land, uh, but they can't find anything on the scanners. So Koenig's like, no. And then a bright colored ship materializes, and Koenig's like, identify yourself. Oh, wait a minute. You're selling the, the ship short, my friend. Okay. This looks like a, uh, a, a, a large orange Christmas ornament that had been decorated yes. by Ed, Ed Hardy. Right. It had like little flames. Did you notice that? It had like little flames in the bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like Hot Wheels or something. I'm just like, okay, dude, what is this with your... Like, <laughs> the, the flames don't fit the guy who drives it, too. No, like, not at all. He's a, he's a very um, colorful man, but th- oh. that just scream some other direction maybe that was his teen years uh, so uh coding uh, the guy materializes in the command center he's like i am tabor the traitor and uh traitor as in i i'll give you this if you give me that traitor not like i will turn you over to the bad guys traitor um but this <laughs> guy okay. is like He's a, <laughs> I call him a purple-haired strawberry shortcake man oh, who no, is no. who is DTF. No, sir. I'm sorry. This is a food club. Orson Welles cosplaying, oh, <laughs> cosplaying as Princess Twilight Sparkle from My Little Pony. We're both in the Twi- My Little Pony <laughs> and Strawberry Shortcake are very much well, in the same that, era. It's that color. Pur- it's exactly the same color purple as Twilight Sparkle. My, my daughter's a big NLP head, okay. so. 
I know it. And he had like a little hairs coming off the top to almost yeah. like uh, Twilight Sparkle's uh, unicorn horn. Unicorn horn, yeah, okay, so okay. You really thought of that. And then his his moo-moo looked like it was made from an old Ouija board or something. Yeah. <laughs> it is and, wild. And, you know, I, and I'm not a healthy man by any stretch, but he was a rather round figure. So he's got the bright hair, the moo-moo. It's a whole vibe. Yeah, you know, a vibe is right. Yeah, you sit back, like you see him, and you're like, "Okay, where's this going? <laughs> like, what is this episode going to be?" And I also love that all of his technology was powered by the rainbow of fruit flavor. Like yes. everything he did had the same rainbow effect of like fruit striped gum. Well, I, I wrote down that this episode is a very, it's a very colorful kaleidoscope episode. It felt like some of it was inspired by the record store in a clockwork orange. Like maybe. Yeah. Like his, 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 yeah. Like when we get to when he's on their ship. Yeah. I could see that. Right. But so, yeah, I just, every time he did anything, like when he just, uh, his technology was all like that same rainbow color stuff. It was mm -hmm. hilarious. I thought like the HR puffin stuff was going to hop out of it or some stuff. Yeah. So they had this like little standoff to meet each other where they're like, here's some stun guns. He's like, check out this cannon. And, uh, but it, it, it's, the cannon's an illusion. Uh, now, and, Kirk, now Koenig gets really kind of Kirky in with him in this <clears> scene. I wrote, I wrote a little note about that. Cause he's like, you know, he pulls out the stun gun. They pulls out the big gun. He's like, why don't you destroy us? If you came here to land on our planet, you know, it's just like kind of very confrontational and very much Captain Kirk in that scene. Oh, they very right. Captain Kirked him this season. Like, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. I, I really noticed it here. Yeah, he said like uh, Tabor meant like his gifts to be well received, but you know they they weren't. Uh, and so he's amused, uh, amazed that the Alphans could be harmed by his toys. They had color coded safety instructions, like. Okay, um, and Helena's like, <laughs> but uh, they didn't though because the one just looked looked look like a mylar hourglass, and the other one looked like a D and a big D and D dice. <laughs> yeah, and like they didn't have anything; they were all one color. They look like when them. you're when you're reading a storybook or seeing some like old school Christmas thing, and kids open gifts, and you're like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> and they're like, "It's a toy, a fun toy." You're like, "That." No, I would be pissed. Uh, doesn't look like a toy. <laughs> doesn't look like what kind of toy is that? Um, but he's like, you know what? All that stuff, it, it's temporary. You'll be fine. Uh, and he he wants some refreshments before <laughs> they can begin their trade session. And guess what's back? Tony's Brew House. I was going to say it's uh, it's an ongoing theme now. Uh, you you also forgot that this is where he starts to get all Harvey Weinstein with Maya. Oh yeah! Oh gosh! Yeah, this is. Like, gets, I, 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 I wrote. Uh, I wrote. Me two moments with Maya. <laughs> and not our first episode with that. So we had that. Tabor really guy. likes Maya. Oh yeah, he does. In fact, when they're at the um, at drinking Tony's beer, as you mentioned, like he puts his hand on her leg, and then she puts turns her hand into like a monster paw or something. It looked like a yeti paw, and like grabbed him in the area, the male area. <laughs> it looked yeah. like it, it was shot to look like that's what, where she grabbed him. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> during this uh, sharing a flight of Tony beers, um, they, they're like, well, how do we not detect your ship? And he's like, well, I got hyperspace. 
And he's like, I can go anywhere. And Conan's like, well, you know what? We might want to trade for hyperspace. Our eagles could have it. We'd go back to Earth. And he's like, ha, 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 um, They wouldn't understand his technology. And he's like, you know what? And then he, like, passes out for they can talk about it more. But hyperspace, very different in pre-Star Wars land. But also, I mean, different than Star Trek world, too traveling at light speed hyperspace um so koenig uh the next day asked tabor if he could return the alphans to earth um but without universal quadrants routing angles subcluster and spin drift tabor's unable to fix the coordinates for the jump so plus like, tabor hey. doesn't know how the drive works right they're like yeah well, give us the schematics teach us how to make one he's like dude I, I, you know do you know how you know you're you know, mm. would you be able to build a, a, a car? Would you be able to build your spaceship? You know, I don't know how it works. Right. I just press this button and it goes, you know. Yeah. And he's like, you know what? Why don't you? Why, hey, old chum, why don't you come on my ship and uh, I'll show you how, <laughs> how it works. And then Koenig's like, all right, I'll give you. Uh, he's like, I'll give you anything I want, anything you want for the jump drive. And Tabor's like, I want Maya. Although he's yeah, more he like, offers, I want Maya. Like the whole moon. He's like, no. Nah. Oh, Maya. She could give you the moon, but I just want her. And Koenig's like, ah, no, no, Maya. And he's like, but I could offer you uh, something like something like Maya. Oh, wait and a minute. Her- First, you didn't talk about what the ship looked like on the inside. Oh, yeah. yeah this, this is the Clockwork Orange uh, record yeah, yeah. store. Yeah. It, it looks like a disco flea market in there. It looks like a bargain basement version of the collector from the Marvel Universe. Oh, no. He's totally. kind of like. Like every seventies Giga and and like it was like a, probably a whole wing of his ship. There's nothing but disco balls. I'm, just, surprised, <laughs> I'm surprised that we didn't see a camera in there because there's so much reflective stuff in there and mm-hmm. clear that like it's amazing there wasn't a reflection of a, a cameraman or something in there. No, but I saw some repurposed stuff from other episodes. Like I saw oh. the, some of the uh, the Zyklon. Uh, uh, poles full of liquids yeah in the background oh, of one of the, right. the shelves so they were like kind of reusing some of the stuff on this set but it was just like full of crap like yeah. 70s futuristic crap <laughs> and, we, way to describe it. and then there's like a cloak of like rainbow that goes around the ship to make it go yeah. to hyperspace and then we got a bunch of shots of like the little moon buggy and model guys sitting on it unconvincingly. Right. The model, like way too close up, <laughs> way too close up to show that. And he shows him the jump drive, and it looks like a loose sight bowling ball. Yes, like yeah. here's the loose, here's the jump drive. Take a look, and he's like, okay. <laughs> so it's a see through bowling ball. So also here, so he offers a Maya's likeness, which. We see that. Yeah, can, I, have make... the, I, I have three letters written right here at this part. WTF. Okay. Why? How? What? Huh? They make how, sex what? robots on Alpha? They made, uh, yeah, like, they make like an Android robot perfect version of Maya to give yeah. this guy. In, the, in, the, in what I called the Space 1999, uh, the room that I call the Space 1999 Community Theater presents Star Wars The Death Star. That, that looked like a nice, adorable, cheap mock-up. Like if a sketch show was trying to like in the seventies right. was trying to do a Star Wars sketch. Sure. That's what the even though this is predates Star Wars. Yeah, it looked like the desk, like the Death Star paneling and stuff like that. But um, they have her head there, and they're doing. And Maya's sitting next God. to it. It's 
It's bizarre. I still can't get over this. I mean, I couldn't get over watching it, and I can't get over thinking about it now. So their solution is to build an Android replica of Maya that's perfect in every way. But this is the first time they've ever even mentioned, hinted yeah. at, or even even shown that they have any kind of capability to do this at all. At all. Now. And, and then they do it in like 10 minutes. It's like 10 minutes. Like They show her, he's like, you know, sitting next to herself in a process shop, right? And they're like, uh, 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 oh, we're done. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and the fact that not only can they do this, they can do it for the alien they just recently picked up for their journey. Yeah, that they, yeah. like, apparently it works for uh, a humanoid alien too. But uh, yeah, like, what this would have come in handy in some other episodes they could have tricked people in some trade-offs we've seen before like yeah okay could have sent, they could have, could have sent androids in and dangerous missions where it could have affected their you know life is it something, it's life. something you only use in desperate times and uh apparently the tabor was the guy's like we need to do it yeah. i guess it's like an espresso machine you don't use it all the time but when you do you know every once in a while it's nice yes. to have <laughs> so they do that and he gets his his maya bot and he gets it for it helena gets a bottle of perfume and uh, uh he, oh and, and then and they give koenig and tony a lucite pyramid that looks like the bowling ball from before right and maya gets a necklace the real maya uh-huh. and he then when he, he does transport maya to the emporium the real well, maya. wait a minute wait a minute before all this happens though while he's doing a little like uh, sale there in the mm-hmm. community theater room, there at <laughs> Space Moonbase Alpha, and he's selling all this different stuff to people. While he's doing that, Koenig, or a model of Koenig, <laughs> the moon buggy, is yes. wheeling out to his ship and putting this little transmitter on the bottom of it. Right. And wheeling back before anyone notices. Right. Yep. It's an important, I'm sorry, but it's an important plot. Important point detail. It, no, it is. It is. So, but uh, I'm telling you the, the perfume is so funny because it's like, gee, you think he might be double crossing everybody? I don't know. Uh, I, this guy seems so trustworthy. Pretty necklace erases Maya's memory and right? identity. <gasps> it turns out the perfume turns Helen into a horny MILF. Right, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, expression, I'm sorry. And, and also, it affect, even just taking a whiff of it, Koenig is taken in by it. Yeah, too. they're both like, oh my God. Oh, oh, I'm so oh. in lust. I'm in middle age lust with you. Oh. This, is, oh, this, is, this is like the trailer on the set between between, ta- between shoots. Oh. Tell, tell, tell me about your equity rating. <laughs> tell me about your APR. Tell me about your credit. <laughs> What's your credit score? What's your credit score? Oh yeah, they uh, and and the horniness is just blunting out there with these two. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh gosh. But, but I, I reminded me of a. I, I, I try to you know, stay away from MST references when we do these, but there's a line uh, from a movie in there. It just made me think of it's like, oh, the white hot indifference. Yes. Because <laughs> like they're married in real life. Yeah. Think they would have better on-screen chemistry than they do, but they really kind of don't. No. It's no. weird. But at least th- this season's forcing it a lot more. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely in the forefront. Yeah, it's definitely the forefront. Um, so the uh, Emporium at the Emporium, Tabor is uh, intending to leave with the real Maya, and uh, Conan's like, "No, you can't," and he's like, "Nope." Um, 
you can have the duplicate back and she explodes, which is kind of Very, cool. You see all the robots. Yeah. Very Westworld yeah. moment there. Yeah. Um face melted away. And Tabor goes to hyperspace and my Maya turns into a dog. That didn't work. And he gets she gets put in a glass case. And now, then I wanted to ask you something. Yeah. Like there's a part in this where he's like, Oh, she's a metamorph. I had no idea. Blah, 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 blah. But like there was I noticed at least a couple times she changed in front of them. Yeah. Like the one time at the dinner when she when she like turns right. her hand into monster hand and stuff. Uh and it's like he's like makes this huge deal. Oh, she's also a metamorph. And I'm like, dude, if you've been paying attention, no, I mean Don't you don't know, know what it is you were wanting? I have no idea. I'm sorry. Please yeah. continue. He's, well, you know, Tom. Key's, I try to impose my sense on these things that make no sense, Brandon. Hey, Tom Key's only wrote four scripts in his career. What can I say? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, there must be a reason for that. So, Koenig like then convinces Maya, like, "Hey, he only likes things of beauty, except the mirror, and uh, but, that's why." But the way he says it, I'm sorry. He says he only likes things that are beautiful, like like it's a code word or something. Yeah. I'm like. What, do they have some code secrets worked out ahead of time they're going to talk about right. later? No. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, and she, she turns into a uh, female version of Tabor, which just repulses him. She's like, I'm going to be with you forever. And uh, he's like, no, get away. go back to Alpha. Done with you. Done with you. And that's how they defeat the great Tabor. That's all it took. Harrison J. Mudd. Oh, I'm sorry. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very much, yes, very true. All all the stuff that Tabor gave them vanishes, and uh, the Alphan stuff comes back, and uh, the diagram for the jump drive disappears right out of Koenig's hands. Mm-hmm. He says, uh, Tabor's a poor sport after all. And then Helena's like, they should be aware, beware of traitors bearing gifts. And then uh, Koenig's like, yes, yeah, so, let's think about that perfume. Tabor gave you and she's like keep thinking she says we don't need Tabor's perfume and 15, 15 uh, yards uh, attempted banter first down yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry uh, they keep trying to have this banter in this show yeah. like the little like the bit with Tony's beer like oh we don't need, we don't need perfume <laughs> it comes off like it comes off it's like so Mo- mom stop Grandma, get down from the stripper pole. Grandma. Mom. Yeah. So, yeah, that's it's this weird episode. So, there's not, it, it's like, it's not much of an episode. Like, but. It's all based, it's all, it's one of those episodes that's just all based on the alien encounter. And this time it happened to be a very flamboyant, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, I said it's decently enjoyable thanks to the, the big and boisterous, uh, Willoughby Goddard and <laughs> like commanding the whole episode. Like he, Tony's in this and he like picks up where that guy cannot deliver. Like he really covers him up and allows Tony to be in scenes that he's never usually, I mean, he's still the same in this, but you've got this other guy. It's got some colorful, uh, sets and effects, uh, robot, some weird sexual stuff. It's like this. This episode is like the furthest thing from what the show was the previous season. 
<laughs> but it's it's kind of odd that I enjoyed it. But like, it's so weird. It's in my wheelhouse, I guess. Like, I, I'm not saying this is a great episode of Space 1999. It's it was just like, well, that's entertainment, you know. Like, and I don't mean like a backhanded compliment. I was just like, you know what? It was lacking in so many areas, but like excelled in the weird factor for me and the sets. It, it reminded me very much in structure of like, like uh, the trope of the 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 western show that had like the trader, the snake oil salesman come to town, right? Yeah, and then leave, you know, and like, oh well, yeah, maybe what he really sold us was the love in our hearts for each other, you know, blah, right? Blah, blah. So it was that kind of trope for me, but you know, Willoughby really sold it for me. Yeah, it's it's all on the guest star. It worked. Like okay. I, I I don't know that I remember this guy from anything else, but oh. he worked for me here. I was like, because I was like, what else is this guy? In? I'm like, okay, Avengers, okay. Um, but yeah, I I'm, I'm okay with this episode. It was alright. It was alright. So uh, that'll do it for another Moon Buggy adventure. In the meantime, Jim, what's going on with you here on the interwebs? Oh my God, so much. Uh, every week you can catch me on Nothing's On, the Nothing's On podcast with Daryl Taylor and Johnny Salvo. We go humorously through every week's uh, worth of entertainment news. And, of course, this week we're going to be talking about Dune uh, and some other things, but a lot of Dune talk, um, probably. And uh, also uh, check me out on the Walking Dead TV podcast at hhwlod.com. Uh, we're covering Fear of the Walking Dead, which, oddly enough, has become a really good show and uh walking dead world beyond as well so uh yeah i mean you got lenny james Ke- uh david carradine uh Jen- david carradine keith carradine i'm very sorry oh well, it's uh, a Jenna- zombie show it could have happened yeah right? it could it could i guess uh jenna elfman's on there now really really good they had um john glover was on there for uh for a while Dang. um it's fair fear has become a really really good show so walking dead tv podcast we've been watching it since the very beginning we will be there until the very end so check that out that is also a weekly podcast available at hhwlod.com all right hashtag sterilla's 1999 and i'm on twitter and instagram at brand 4 written work of whysoblue.com there's more from the brand peter show this week but until then alpha out thank you for listening the Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.